I love the words of that song. It talks about how we are standing there with our arms wide open, that we're gracefully broken. And I pray that that is your spirit this morning, that as we come into this place to worship God, that that our worship is about being broken in front of Him, being gracefully broken, being wide open to what it is that He wants to do and and, and move and say to us. Um, so often our worship can become a time where we're where it's about us you know where we're we come in with expectations and and we miss out on we miss out on bringing god his glory and i think part of that is is we struggle with our view of god and in hebrews that's where we're we're working through the letter of hebrews and the letter of the hebrews comes to a, a group of individuals that had lost their sight of jesus they had lost their sight of who Jesus was. And when you read through the letter of Hebrews, the author takes a meticulous approach to say, this is who Jesus is. This is, is, is who Jesus is. Now, my question to you is, who's Jesus to you? And how has Jesus spoken to you? And how does Jesus speak to you? When you, when we think of God and we think of, you know, the, 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 um, the, his son Jesus, how, how do you view him in your life? I want to show you some pictures here because there are some things that can communicate to us. Uh, Jesus can speak through certain things, okay? Um, does this picture speak Jesus to you? Jesus is the creator of all things. Some of you may not be into really like much landscape uh, views like this may not do anything to, for you. For some, we look at it and say, there's got to be a God. We look at it and we say that is just so miraculous. It's so majestic. It's so beautiful. It's so serene. And we're, and we can become overwhelmed with the beauty of a, of a landscape. And we look at it. And, and, and the Bible tells us that God speaks to us through His creation. That there's times where God speaks to us. And when we stand there at times, you know, some people have said, uh, myself included, when I go out in nature, there's just something that, that it's so peaceful. It's so serene. And it just, it like opens up my, it just opens me up to to just have this 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 moment with God. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just that's the way we're created or what. But for me, when I stand and if I was standing in this spot, uh, it just would overwhelm me to you know uh, just the beauty of it. And and for me, God can speak to me through creation. How about you? Can God speak to you through creation? <clears throat> How about this next one? <clears throat> the sonogram, right? I remember when the first time uh, when Jaden, when we went to find, well, we uh, took uh, took a test and and we went to. It came time to hear the baby's heartbeat, and I remember for the very, I don't know if you guys remember this for your first child, and maybe your, your other children too, but you hear that heartbeat, and you're like, oh my gosh, that is so. It's so for me. It was just so overwhelming. You know, the the presence of God just. Oh, just flooded over me because it was like, uh, you know, my wife and I had such complications of getting pregnant and, and, and we were finally able to get pregnant. I hear that heartbeat and I'm just like, I'm just overwhelmed by what God has done for me. When I look at a sonogram for me, when I see individuals that are pregnant in, in life and birth to me, God is screaming out saying that I am the creator of life. And I don't know if God speaks to you through birth or through creation, but that's one way that I, you know, that for some, 
God speaks to. Another way is that God speaks is through the study of His Word. We sit down, we read His Word, we, we open it up, we spend time, we take time, we're present. We, 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 we carve out time, we, we intentionally want to sit down and we want to commune with God. We want to have this moment with God where He can communicate to us. And when we sit and we read, uh, the, you know, we quiet our hearts and we remove the distractions, we, we get into the Word and the Word. You ever have those moments where the Word just pops off the page and, and, and God just floods your soul, man. You just, there, uh, you, you, you discover a new reality where God just speaks to you and God just makes himself known to you and God reveals to you. So God speaks to us this way as well. You know, Jesus, and we, and we see Jesus coming through the scriptures. You know, we see him coming through various ways. Another way is through our conversations with other individuals. Where we sit with another believer, where we sit with someone that, that is like-minded in our faith. And, and we have a little bit of iron sharpening iron and Jesus speaks to us. Jesus talks to us. Jesus communicates to us through another individual because we put ourselves in a place of vulnerability where we're open for that and we're listening and we're present and we're not closed off and we don't have our perceptions already defined and we're not sitting there, but we're sitting there closed, but we're listening and we're engaging. We're allowing someone to literally speak into us and as they speak into us, Jesus speaks into us, and we begin to discover that Jesus is using someone to speak in and into us and through us. Another way is through the church. We come to church. We assemble together on a Sunday morning. For some of you, you come in, you're anticipating encountering God. For some of you, you're coming in and you're present. You're sitting here present right now. You're listening to the Word. You're listening to the music. You're not making this about yourself. You're making it a time, you're, you're using it as a time to be present, to say, I want to hear God speak to me. I want to commune with God. I want to come and I want to exalt God. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't want to, to be exalted myself. I don't want to come in with a, a list of expectations where if these aren't met, then I'm not happy. And so we walk out and we, we haven't really met God. We walk out kind of frustrated just like we walked in. But there's some that walk in and they say, I want to meet God. There's times where people come up to me afterwards. <coughs> excuse me. And they will say, do you remember saying this? It really touched me. And I'm like, I have no clue ever saying that. But God spoke to you. That's what happens when we read God's Word. That's what happens when we listen. That's what happens when we have an open heart and an open mind and we're ready to receive what God wants to say to us. You know, and God will speak to us and God will reveal Himself. And then another way is through prayer where we quiet our hearts and we listen. And we don't have an expectation of a certain answer but we remain open. And God communicates to us. Jesus speaks to us. We're reminded again of who Jesus is in our hearts. We may come with troubled hearts. And our hearts are consoled. There's a sense of peace that may sweep over us. 
Have you ever had those moments where you go to prayer and your spirit is so restless because you're, 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 you're facing something and you don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to deal with it and you're struggling with it. Then you sit down and you spend time with God either through the, his reading of his word or through prayer or, uh, you know, like prayer and you just open your heart and your mind. And as you're there communicating with God and you shut up and God speaks, there's this sense of this overwhelming sense of His presence. His Spirit just sweeps over you. Thank you, Dick. Appreciate that. This sense of God's Spirit sweeps over you. Have you ever had a moment where you realize, are you ready for this one? Are you ready? That things really don't matter. That the thing that you're so bunged up about really doesn't matter. Have you ever had that moment? That's a freeing moment. <laughs> That's a freeing moment when you realize the world doesn't rest on my shoulders. It's a freeing moment when I don't have to have all the answers. It's a freeing moment when you, get in, when you begin to look at each other and you begin to say, you're just as screwed up as I am. It's freeing. And some of us come off with these lofty opinions and you're like, what? No. And you begin to rest in God and you walk away through your prayer and God just, just, He just takes it all away and you're like, you know what? Everything's gonna be okay. Everything is going to be okay. And you begin to realize what is temporal and what is eternal. When you lose sight of who Jesus is, everything you're going to focus on is temporal. The weight of the world begins to crush down on your shoulders. That's when you lose perspective. That's when you resort to your thinking, and that's when your statements start coming off like this. I think, I think, and maybe some of the people that you even spend time with, that's their statements. I think. Whereas after a while you're like, you know what? Respect, you know, I respect you, but let me just say this. I don't want to know what you think. I want to know what the Word of God says. I want to know what Jesus has to say about this. You see, that's what the Hebrews lost. They lost who Jesus was. Some of us sitting in here, we're at risk of losing who Jesus really is. In our view, I'm telling you guys, our view of Jesus means everything to our lives. It means everything to your life. The way you conduct your life is based upon how you view Jesus. Now that sounds cheesy, doesn't it? That sounds like a cheesy Christian thing. Well, it's how you view Jesus. But I'm telling you, I am telling you, that's how deep it runs. It's going to determine how you parent, how you conduct your finances, how you how you tithe, how you worship, 
how you engage with other individuals, how you, how just it, it literally affects everything about our life, who you marry, who you date, what school you go to, what job you're going to take. The problem is, a lot of times, we're like the Hebrews, we lose sight of Jesus, and it becomes compartmentalized, and our decisions and everything else becomes based upon the temporal. And then our lives are miserable. They're miserable. Because we're over here now trying to navigate through a world that doesn't have Jesus really kind of in it, or we didn't have Jesus in it when we made certain decisions. And now we've got to live with the implications of that. The Hebrews lost who Jesus was. Last week, the author of Je- we taught we looked at the, we looked at the words, um, just the first three or four verses of Hebrews. Powerful, heavy verses. I mean, it says long ago God spoke to the fathers by the prophets, and at different times and different ways. That's how God spoke to the people. Different times, different ways. In these last days, meaning the days we live in and we live in now, God has spoken to us through His Son. God has appointed Him, Jesus, the heir of all things. Jesus is an authority of all things. Heir of all things and made the universe through Him. John tells us, the Gospel of John tells us, that everything came into existence by what Jesus spoke. God the Father fought it, Jesus created it through his spoken word. Okay? God, Jesus created, he heir of all things, made the universe through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus, when he was here on earth, when he took the name of Jesus as a human figure here on earth, he said, if you've seen the, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I radiate God's glory. And the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purifications of sins, after dying on the cross, he sat down, it is finished, at the right hand of the majesty on high. And then we continue on. And this author is reminding these individuals, you've lost sight of who Jesus is. He says, so he became superior to the angels just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. Okay? The first part of this, this pat, this first part of these verses, the author eloquently articulates that Jesus was, was, uh, prophet, priest, and king. He fulfilled every single one of those duties. Every single one of those duties, Jesus fulfilled. Jesus spoke God's truth as a prophet would. Jesus performed the duties of a priest, which he was the perfect sacrifice, right? The priest would sacrifice, would atone for sins. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. And Jesus is now king, sitting at the right hand of the majesty. Sitting there as the king. Prophet, priest, and king. The author is elevating Jesus saying, Let me just tell you, you can't forget about who Jesus is. You can't forget about who Jesus is. And he goes on and says, his name is superior to angels. Now, why would he say that? Why would he talk about angels? Well, for starters, the Jewish people believed that the angels held great power. Okay? They believed that the angels are the ones that brought the law to Moses. They're the ones that believe that... Remember remember when the, the announcement was made 
the 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 Messiah was was born to the shepherds. You remember that? Remember the story? A couple months, just a month ago, whatever. Remember that story? Who delivered that message? Angels. And so throughout, they believed that angels had this superiority, uh, you know, a thing going on. Right? The author says, "You think the angels are big." You think the angels have something. I'm telling you, Jesus is far superior than the angels. Jesus holds... So so essentially what I want to share with you today is this. How does that affect our worship today? How does it... When we look at the book of Hebrews and the author is looking at this, looking at the Hebrews saying, you can't forget about Jesus. I want to ask you a question. How does that affect your worship? How does that affect what you think of Jesus? When we look at this letter and we read it, what does it do for you? What is it, you know, that's the big question. What does it do for you? How do you view Jesus when you hear the words of this author breathing into these people that are, that are discouraged, that saying, you know what, why don't we just go back to worshiping angels? Why don't we just go back to doing this? Why don't we just go back to this, this way where the guy, where the author is saying, no, 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 no. You don't worship those things. We worship who Jesus is. Well, how does that affect you and I so many thousands of years later? When he says Jesus is is far superior than even the angels. Read on in verse 5. To which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son. And he, and today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Who is he ever, what angels he ever said that to? He goes on and says, again, if you look at verse six, again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, and let all God's angels worship him. And about the angels, he says, he makes his angels, or he makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. But to the sun, let's stop there for a second. This is what the angels do. Do you know? That God created the, that angels are created beings, right? Angels are created beings. We read in Revelation and throughout that the, that the, uh, cherubim and seraphim just st- from Isaiah. Remember Isaiah's experience where when Isaiah is taken up into heaven and he's in this throne room and he sees God being worshiped, there are these angels that are doing nothing but worshiping God 24-7 if there's a time, right? They are doing nothing but worshiping God, saying, holy, holy, holy. They were created to worship Him. They were created to worship Jesus. They're created to worship who He is. And the author, that's what the author is saying. He's saying, and let all God's angels worship Him. He is the, he is the one to be worshiped. And he says, but to the son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. He goes on to say in verse 10, and in the beginning, Lord, You establish the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing. You will roll them up like a cloak. They will be changed like clothing, but you are the same, and your years will never end. Now to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? 
We worship Jesus, number one, because of his name. At the name of Jesus, all shall bow. Every single person is going to bow at one point in time, whether we choose to do it now or later. The author is saying, at his name, all authority has been given. Every single aspect of authority has been given, and everyone, every created being at one point will bow. Paul writes and says that everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord at one point. Whether we do it now and we can come in this place and exalt Him and worship Him, and with our lives we worship Him because of His name, because of who Jesus is, we worship Him. We can do that now or we will be forced to do it at one point. We do it now, we're able to enjoy the riches of being in His family. We worship Him because of His name. The second thing we do is we worship Him. It affects our worship with Him because of His authority. His authority. He has authority over all things. They had lost sight of who Jesus was. And this author is saying, Jesus, by His name, is all things. By His name is all things. If you want to go to the next couple slides here. Um, they had lost sight of Jesus but they're seeing now Jesus correctly is critical to their faith, just like you and I. Seeing Jesus correctly is absolutely critical to your faith. Do you believe that Jesus' name is above all names? And not just believe aspirationally, but it literally affects not just our faith in a sense, but it is critical to our worship. It affects the way we worship. When we come into this place, do we come in understanding that Jesus is exalted and we're coming in to just exalt Him and bring Him glory. So when we engage in song, when we engage in, in worshiping God through our tithes and um, our giving uh, and whatever it is, do we truly just worship Him? The author of Hebrews places Him in such a place and clar clarifies all things that says this is who Jesus is. I'm going to jump to a video and I want you to just listen uh, to this video. And it's, it's just a couple slides. It's right before the last, of my, last slide of my talk. But I want you to just lean in to how this author or this, this video kind of represents who Jesus is. And let, let, just let this video speak to you right now. I believe in Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, the prelude to Adam, the author of Eden, by all, in all, through all, Genesis reason, the husband of a newborn bride. I believe earth is his love's ultimate beacon. I believe in Jesus, the infant king, ruler of the heavens, the universe's spring, yet he took the frailest of forms, the weakest of things, for our mighty God was not too proud for the stable and trough of Bethlehem's sting. 
I believe in Jesus, the forgiver of men. Since man could not come to God, God came to them. Though we spit in his face through our arrogance and sin, holiness became flesh and said it was forgiven. I believe in Jesus, the perfection of the law, for creation was doomed by the requirements it scrawled. But he came not to abolish correction, but fulfill us where we fall and wrote a new law on our hearts. Love God and love all. I believe in Jesus, the Lord without a throne. He dumbfounded the masses by not making the crown his own. Lost scores of followers by letting weakness be shown and traded the palace for not having a home. I believe in Jesus, the tenant of the poor. He saw a beloved sister where the world saw a whore. He ate with those who weren't allowed through the temple's doors and taught us to live with less so those with none could have some more. I believe in Jesus, the horribly betrayed, unknown by the world he himself had made, handed over to death by a follower to whom silver was paid, disowned by a friend three times in one day. I believe in Jesus, the ever-turning cheek, no sword in his hand, he took the way of the weak, redefined strength as beaten and meek. When men struck him on his back, only forgiveness did he speak. I believe in Jesus, the servant on the cross. To save the lives of the sinful, he considered his own life lost. Endured the torture of men, whips and nails in his flesh were embossed. Received the wrath of God, Father punishing Son, the ultimate cost. I believe in Jesus and that flesh in the tomb. He bore the end of a normal human as he was born of a human's womb. He died a criminal's death and was buried in a another man's room. God the Son lay dead, the lifeless groom. But I still believe in Jesus and the body of his resurrection, for he redefined life in death's final rejection, showed holes in hands to over 500 of his own selection so that humanity would not be able to raise an objection that Jesus Christ is God the Son and has made the ultimate connection. So I believe in Jesus and the responsibility of his ascension. He ascended to God's right hand forever in intercession, leaving his truth in the hands of a few, the first to be called his Christians. His hands and feet are now the church, his timeless narrative expression. This is our heritage. They are our relatives. And this is our confession. We believe in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. No matter the tears of the world's hate and aggression, no matter the wares of holiness's painful progression, no matter the shares of suffering in our possession, no matter the layers of our apathy and transgression, we will carry the weight of faith's succession, for the world and its cares are nothing compared to this glorious injection, this everlasting song, this endless profession, that we are Christ's Christians and we live our radiant confession. I believe in Jesus Christ, the rallying cry of our eternal obsession. What does Jesus do for you? And what I mean by that is not so much 
what does He fulfill for you, but what does He do for you in the sense of stirring your spirit? Is Jesus elevated in your life? Is Jesus surrendered into your life? The last slide says, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Because that's what following Jesus means is surrendering our lives to Him. How is your life affected by following Jesus, by saying that you believe in Jesus? When you go to Jerusalem, there's a gate on the east side. And the gate is sealed up. And it's been sealed up for thousands of years, this gate. And if you go to the other side of the wall, on the outside, there's a, there's a um, Muslim cemetery built right in front of this eastern gate. Okay? When we read in Revelation, and the reason why, let me, let me say this real quick, the reason why that gate is sealed up on the east side is because they were taught that the Messiah would come through that gate. That Jesus would come through that gate upon His return. That gate is sealed with a cemetery in front of it because anybody that would come through there and come across through that cemetery, it would defile them, right? And so you have this eastern gate when you're standing on the outside and you're looking at this eastern gate with a cemetery in front of it. And the cemetery there is not like ours where the caskets are down in the ground, but they're sitting up on top of the ground. So there's hundreds, hundreds of, 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 of graves there. That's to keep the Messiah from coming through that gate. And in Revelation, we read that the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, will come through in the last days that gate. Let me just suggest this to you guys. There's not a cemetery that's going to keep Jesus from walking through that gate. Regardless of how much man has sealed this gate, Jesus will penetrate as the Messiah and walk through this gate in end times. That's who Jesus is. My question is, has Jesus walked through your gate? Is your gate sealed to where this morning Jesus is saying, Hey, I am Lord. There's nothing that can negate that. I am above all things. I am above the angels. I am priest, prophet, king. I have fulfilled all of those. I am, I am, I am, right? I am God, I am. Have you allowed Jesus to walk through that gate of your heart? Because if we say we have, that means that Jesus is Lord of our lives. And that's not just some theoretical thing that we say, well, I believe in Jesus. It means that we've surrendered to the rulership of who Jesus is. It means it affects everything about our lives. I pray that if you're sitting here this morning and you've not received the free gift of grace and salvation that Jesus wants to offer you this morning, that this might be the day your gates are open, that you invite Him in 
and he becomes Lord of your life. If you're sitting here this morning and you've said that you believe in him, but he's really not Lord of your life, I pray that today might be the day that instead of it just being lip service, that it truly is, it truly is a decision where you've said, I am allowing you to be Lord of my life. I've sur- I'm surrendering and I have surrendered my life to you, Jesus. Because it means everything. It means we, know now, we no longer now focus on the temporary, but we focus on the eternal. And now means that some of these little ancillary things that become personal to us really aren't that big of a deal. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is all, over all things. His name is above all names. He, is, he has authority over all things. The question is, does he have authority over you in your heart? I pray that that would be an affirmative answer for you here this morning. If you would like to pray about that, we would love to pray with you. But I pray this might be something that you don't put off. It might be something that you know for sure and that you are you are surrendered to the life or to the lordship of Jesus. And I pray that if you're sitting here this morning and you came in and you've been disturbed or discouraged that you might find this incredible overwhelming sense of peace and hope that Jesus gives you just like these individuals we're experiencing through the message that this author was telling them uh, in this in this letter to the Hebrews. I'm going to close with a word of prayer, and then we're going to have a song, uh, one last song before uh, we leave. And I pray that you would just use that for a time where you would just uh, allow the Spirit to communicate with you. This is between you and God. This is between you and Jesus. But I pray that you would allow that to be a time that could be used by Him communicating with your heart. Would you stand as I close with a word of prayer and invite you into a song as we close. Jesus, we give you incredible glory and honor and exaltation here this morning. We acknowledge that you are king, priest, and prophet. We acknowledge that you are king over our lives. We surrender to you. We acknowledge that your name is above all names. And that you have authority over all things. Father, that the, just the very fact that you want to have a relationship with someone like us that struggles at times with our flesh is incredible. And it's so humbling. we give you glory here this morning. And if our hearts have not worshipped you here, I pray this might be a moment where we can turn to you and we can just acknowledge who you are and receive forgiveness and lift you up and give you the glory that you deserve. I pray that you would find freedom in here this morning. I pray that lives are being touched right now by your spirit. I pray that lives are being turned to you. I pray that lives are being reconciled to you right now, Father. Because they're open and they're in tune with you. I pray that hearts that have been focused on themselves are being turned and they're no longer being focused on themselves. They're being focused upon you and about giving you glory instead of themselves. Father, we give you this time and we pray that this would just be a a moment that would just bring you great honor and glory by the surrendering of our hearts to you and acknowledging who you are. And it's in your name that we pray and ask all these things. Amen.